Welcome back this week, everyone. I just finished editing this week's podcast and thought I might as well just record the intro right right away, just while I was thinking about it. And also, part of self-improvement is just making sure I'm not always running last minute, because last week I posted late, and I'm not sure if anyone noticed. Probably no one did, but I definitely want to just be more on top of things. And I think talking to a leadership coach helped me just prioritize some things really quick. So Jennifer Chapman's pretty cool. I ran into her just because she had heard about the podcast and we got a chance to talk. And basically, this was a super fun interview to do. I really, really loved it. Um, Not every time I connect with someone just because maybe they'd be interested in being a guest. Um, It doesn't go well every single time. But in this case, it went really awesome. And at the end of the podcast, she talks about an offer to do like an assessment with her or to just have a free chat. So just make sure you're listening at the end because there's a really good opportunity to chat with someone. I think I'm going to take her up on that myself. But um, one thing that resonated with me is just near the end of the chat, we talk about, you know, how do you want to be remembered and how you want to be remembered at your retirement party. And I think that that's not that exact question, but just the question of how can I leave this world better than um, when I found it? I don't know if that even makes sense, but basically a question for me is often just about my legacy. I don't have kids. I don't have maybe even a business that I would leave behind right now, but I think what I do have is that I really tried to make things a little bit better. And part of that's this podcast and encouraging people, and I really do want to hear what people think and if any episodes resonate with you. Part of that's through activism and charity work, and part of that's even through comedy. But I think we all have the ability to make small changes in the world that we exist in, whatever, however big or small that is. Uh, I've said it before, but it's like, I'm not going to give everyone a car like Oprah. I'm probably not going to give anyone a car, to be honest. It's just not something I think is in (laughs) in my budget to do. But... I will be there for a chat. I've been mentoring a couple people, just one-off chats or maybe ongoing. And, you know, if it helps them have confidence to speak better in a job interview or just to believe that they should even apply for a job at all, for example, I think that's great. And I've had so many people in my life that have given me a chance or given me time. Even in the last week, people have just given me time and chatted with me. And I just think that this episode really, again, brought up for me the whole idea that, you know, we can love and care for ourselves and then we can also do that for other people. And I think it comes first from doing that for ourselves. And just even knowing some situations that I talk about in the interview and how they've resolved themselves in the last week or things have changed with certain relationships I have with people is interesting because time does is a big factor in changing circumstances. So if you're not feeling great one day, it doesn't mean four weeks from now you won't be or even tomorrow. And I don't know. There's a lot here. This interview is super fun. I I laughed more than most of them. So maybe leadership coaches are funnier than I would have given them credit for at first. But I really hope you enjoy this. It's uplifting. Uh, There's also a cool bonus content at the end. One of the listeners of More Than Work, who's a close friend, joined a clubhouse room and asked a question. And it was nice just to hear a listener ask a question and that kind of thing helps me formulate questions in the future too like what people might want to hear anyway i hope you're doing well hope you're having a good week whenever you're listening to this it could be on the wednesday it drops it could be many many weeks later 
But whenever it is, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And here's the show. Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to More Than Work this week, everyone. I am really excited about this guest. She's actually doing an experiment with me. So there's one listener right now on Clubhouse that's going to be listening to this live, and we might have more, but just want to let people know that they can follow More Than Work there and check that out. This is Jennifer Chapman. She's a leadership coach and the CEO of Ambition Leadership. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So why don't you first just introduce yourself a little bit? All right. So I am native of Seattle, Washington, and I've lived in Washington, D.C. I currently live in Indianapolis, Indiana. I am a leadership coach, as you mentioned, and I specialize working with super smart people who don't really love the people side of their job. And a lot of times they get promoted into positions of managing and leading, and maybe they didn't even want to be there. (laughs) Then they're like, ah, just... I don't want to deal with the people issues. Just leave me alone. Let me get my work done. That's that's where I come in, and I love it. I love helping people strengthen their interpersonal skills, and I'm actually married to a mechanical engineer, so we have a lot of laughs. <laughs> and I, yes, I use my coaching skills all the time at home. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that was a good training for you inadvertently, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, when he said this, he meant this probably. Right? But we're going to get him to say this. Or we call each other out all the time. Like, and I get stuck in task mode and he'll be like, all right, task mode, Jen, take a break. I need this. To- <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's funny. So I guess first you were in position of leadership at one point yourself, right? And then you yes. went into this. So can you talk a little bit about that and kind of, I guess, then what brought you into coaching versus staying in that, that path? Absolutely. So I, I've had a pretty unconventional career path, but it's been awesome. And I spent quite a bit of time at a Fortune 500 consulting firm. Mm. And while I was there, I had, I started out doing project management and then program management. And then I became a manager of, you know, teams and people and all of that. And uh, when you were talking about performance appraisals, it reminded me of a time when I, this was one of those firms where I was expected to build client hours at least 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I had my team that I was in charge for career and professional development, making sure they were billable, addressing any personnel issues that came up. Then I had a, like an excellence a service of excellence I can't remember they call it now community of practice that I was in charge of leading and then in, in my quote free time I led proposals that were like 100 hour plus monstrous things with mostly government proposals I worked all the mm-hmm. time I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that and in the <laughs> midst of all that I decided to go to a coaching school and I, I had met some coaches doing some other leadership work I, 
I did, and I just fell in love and thought that is what I want to be. For the first time in my life, I thought this is what I want to be when Mm -hmm. I grow up. And so I went to the Georgetown program, which, as you can imagine, was also pretty intensive. Yeah. (laughs) I look back on that time and go, how did I do it and what was I thinking? And that program required me to be in person all day and like all evening in class for three days out of a month consecutively. And I was just about to start my three days out of the office and I took vacation Mm -hmm. time or made up the hours elsewhere. It was brutal. And I got asked to lead a proposal that was kicking off on day one of my in-person training. And I thought about it. And of course I was in a culture where you don't say no And I felt like I can't say no. And at the same time, I thought there's no way. There's literally no way. I have no availability during the day. And like, I barely would have like six hours to sleep (laughs) before getting up and doing it again the next day. And so I said, you know, thank you for thinking of me. I am just about to start a three-day intensive. But I, so I can't do it, but I know so-and-so would be great. She's never led a proposal before, but I'll mentor her behind the scenes. So, you know, I had the solution and everything. And so that's what they ended up doing. And I helped the best way I could with mentoring this other person. So then uh, I can't remember a couple months later was performance appraisal time. And when I was getting my review, I got deemed for saying no to that proposal. And I was so pissed. (laughs) I'm like, I literally couldn't do it. I wasn't making dumb excuses. And I found a solution for them. And I got dinged for saying no. And that was a really powerful experience for me. Because in that moment, I realized... I mean, at first, I was really mad that I had this mark on my performance appraisal. And then I thought, wait, would I do it differently if I had to do it over again? Absolutely not. Because I was so passionate and wanting to do that coaching program. I was willing to sacrifice in other areas. And once I reminded myself that I made that choice to do the coaching program and that was the career path I wanted to follow, it didn't matter to me anymore mm-hmm. that I got that comment on my proposal. And I, it's now like a little badge I wear with pride. It really signified for me a turning point in caring more about what I think than what my boss or other people at the company cared about. Good for you. I mean, that's hard, and I think it's hard for several reasons. But first of all, I want to point out that you, when you knew that it wasn't right for you to do it, you decided to kind of lift up one of your fellow colleagues, which I think is really important because I think that a lot of times in work, I have been almost afraid of someone who might be better than me, and then that will mean I am not as valuable and maybe I won't be used for something later in. but I think it was cool that you had the wherewithal just to say hey this person would be great they deserve a shot I'm doing this other thing but then also I think yeah the whole thing of just saying you know I'm doing what I want to do and I'm I'm pursuing what I want and especially at that kind of consulting company you're at I'm sure it was if it's like one of the big four or even any other one that's really hard to do so what would you say, because I did 
So just, I'm going to leave this in, but what I'm going to say is I started the interview without recording a few minutes ago. So you mentioned performance reviews. So I actually mentioned that and then I didn't record. So a lot of people just got their annual reviews now, like, because we're recording this at the end of March. So a lot of people, including me, got those. I wanted to ask you actually about giving and receiving feedback because you got feedback and you had a reaction. So that you just talked about, I think there are two things that that I'd like to talk to you about in this realm. One is, how do people receive hard feedback and like react well? Like, what do you think people should do? I know I got feedback from someone unsolicited, and it wasn't really good feedback. It was just like, basically, you're doing this thing, and that was it. <laughs> there was nothing I could say. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not a good way to give feedback. So let's go go with that. But then also, like, if you do get feedback about yourself. If you're self-aware, I think it's kind of okay because you accept what someone says because you already know that you're doing that. But if you don't, like, I don't know, what do you think people should do to accept feedback? Or would you change the way you did at the time? Yeah, so this is going to sound funny, but I try to have what I call an out-of-body experience when I'm receiving feedback. And no, I'm not going all Shirley MacLaine here. But (laughs) I, what I mean by that is is I try to step out of myself and almost look at it like somebody else is getting that feedback. Because if you can take the emotion out of it, then it frees us up to just hear whatever the message is and then decide later what we're going to do about it. Mm -hmm. When we get feedback, we tend to respond with our heart before we respond with our brain. So I try to consciously flip that around. And then with when you're receiving feedback, if you can set your emotions aside, remember this is somebody's perception, this is somebody's opinion. Now they may be hopefully using facts as they're presenting the feedback. We can talk about that (laughs) when we talk about giving feedback. But again, it's somebody taking those facts and packaging it with perception. Mm -hmm. So you can sit there and go, all right, I'm not going to freak out because this is one person relaying feedback to me. And so I'm just going to hear it and listen, hear it, nod your head. If you want to ask some clarifying questions, you can. And then always say thank you. Even if somebody's like, you know, (laughs) you're ugly and that color looks terrible on you. (laughs) you Thank you for sharing that feedback. And because even if you don't like the feedback or didn't even want the feedback, Mm -hmm. there's something about acknowledging for the other person, they took the time and the energy to relay that information. And it's you acknowledging and creating a safe space and just practicing. Like, let's say you don't even care about that person's perception at all. Mm -hmm. It's just really good practice to, okay, if I can receive feedback from this person, I can receive it from just about anyone. And then after you're out of the situation, then you can pause and ask yourself, okay, why was this feedback given? Is there anything here that I should look at? Is there anything I need to be doing differently? And really ask those honest questions of yourself. And if we can come, I think from that angle, then we are more likely to not only hear the feedback, but then take action on it too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good point, even just to thank them, because it gives you something to say, too, right? Because sometimes it's awkward, like, someone says something, and you're just like, okay, and I guess, for me, again, I'd get a little defensive. I mean, that's probably feedback I've got. 
Try to try to like react to someone saying you're defensive. Well, you have no way to react at that right. point. <laughs> right. You're really defensive. No, I'm not. Well, uh, what? You know, like you can't. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you is a good. That's a good strategy. So yeah, giving feedback. I mean, I've heard about the strategy, and I've tried to use it like, like the feedback like sandwich where you do a positive thing, oh, and then a no. negative thing, and then a positive thing. <laughs> no. That is my biggest pet peeve with feedback. <laughs> Is that sandwich? Because let me tell you what happens with that sandwich. <laughs> the really high performers, they, you know, th- there's some compliment and they're like, but they know something else is coming. Mm-hmm. So they hardly listen to that. And then yeah. you get into the constructive feedback and they hear that loud and clear and they're probably beating themselves up over it. And then they totally, they're so focused on that, they miss the compliment at the end. Mm. And so, that doesn't work. Like if you have feedback to give to a high performer, then you just go straight to the heart of what is the issue. And I'm going to come back in a second to a model that I really like. But then with the poor performers, that, that this is the funniest of it. So the poor performers, you say, hey, I really appreciated the report that you got into me on time. And then you might say, however, the the data that you gave me was last month's and it was wrong. Can you fix that please? And then, Hey, you know, I really like working with you and this, you know, blah, blah, blah. They walk out of the office or the zoom or whatever. And they're like, Hey, I got my report in on time and he likes working with me. <laughs> like they totally just, it's that selective listening. They don't even hear the constructive part of it. So what I like to do is first of all, separate it, separate, mm-hmm like be sincere and and give positive feedback often but do it in a timely manner so you know when somebody gets something in time hey thank you i really appreciate for get, getting that in on time and it doesn't have to be a big deal it just means something really simple like that and then when it's time to give constructive feedback just focus on the constructive feedback it's n- that is not the time to do relationship building cuz like i said the wrong people hear the wrong messages there Hmm. and then as far as a framework uh, there's one there's a great book called the Tao of coaching and oh I just forgot the guy's name but it's a fantastic book and man that's gonna (laughs) bug me (laughs) so Tao of coaching Max Landsberg that's it yes that's it so really simple book to read lots of good stuff in there and he's got a feedback model that's aid a-i-d And Mm -hmm. the A is for what was the action that was done that you're giving the constructive feedback about. Then the I is what's the impact of it. And then the D is the desired outcome. So for example, I got asked to provide some data for a report recently. And this report happens every month. This question comes every month. And this guy, it's like always at the 11th hour that he wants me to drop everything to give him this information. And so I, I, I had had it. And so finally I said, okay, I understand that you need this information for the client. Mm-hmm. However, I, I'm booked. I do not have availability to get that to you today. And, when, and then when you get to me at the last minute, it puts me in the position of not being able to be responsive and get you the data that you need. Yeah. Would you please put a standing meeting on my calendar that we can talk about this 
two, at least two days before your standing meeting with the client. And so I was really specific what I wanted to see change. And, and I am happy to report I have a meeting on my calendar for April. And we'll see <laughs> if it continues after that. But you, So just be really specific about the action. What's the impact? Try to make the impact about not you. Like the, mm-hmm. Nobody cares if, oh, yeah, you're stressed. Who cares? But if you put it in terms of I'm not going to be able to get it to the client or I, I'm going to say this poorly, but, you know, if it's going to make the other person look bad, you know, like word it better mm-hmm. than that. But, you know, if what you coming to me at the last minute means I cannot help you be responsive to the client and get your report on time and yeah. then finish with what you want and be very specific and clear. That's really good because I think a lot of us have deadline driven jobs in one way or another. Sometimes our tasks aren't and sometimes they are but like I'm a project manager so if I have a client that always comes to me with last minute changes like at some point something's going to give and it's usually me that will break because I, I'll do that whole thing where like yes I'll, I'll get it done and I'll try to do everything but that is very fragile because then if something else unexpected comes in and I'm already maxed out that's that unexpected thing is going to you know break me somehow either that means I'm going to work another you know 12 hour day or it's not going to get something else done as well or whatever. So that's actually good. And the scheduling tactics good too. Yes. And I talk a lot about how to get buy-in from other people. And the biggest tip I can give in that regard is to not ask you what's in it for you, but to flip it to what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. And if you can frame your ask into showing the other person, hey, this is going to benefit you, then you are going to get a lot more support. So with that client example you just gave, you just say, you know, I, I want you to have X on time. And in order for me to make that happen in the quality that you're accustomed to, I'm going to need A, B, and C from you by such and such date. And then say, if on your end things slip, that's fine. We'll need to push the deadline back. Mm-hmm. So they see that it's a connected, it's a correlated outcome you know yeah no that makes a lot of sense so looking more at you and and then how you got into to coaching so you did the program at georgetown because you were living in dc at the time i guess i was, was yes so then you got your credential is that the right thing to say credential it or, is and then what what did you do from there did you like just cut and run from consulting or No, I, so what I did first was I had the opportunity to actually use my coaching skills on some projects for the consulting firm. And that was great. I got to build a network with other coaches, with small businesses that later when I went out on my own were brought me back as a subcontractor or a 1099. And, and there were a lot of really great things about that time, although I didn't have as much of the one-on-one coaching, it was much more about programs. And I I used to love that, but I, my, my real passion is working one-on-one with people. Mm -hmm. And so that I had been thinking for a while about, you know, what would it look like to go out on my own? I was terrified because my father had actually gone out on his own when I was graduating from high school. And he had a couple he had, you know, a typical first year that was slow. Then he had a couple of really great years. I'd never seen my dad happier. And then there was this scandal 
that was related to some of the people my dad did work with. Mm-hmm. And my dad lost everything. We, our family lost everything, declared bankruptcy. It, it wow. was awful. And my dad was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a lot of fears about going yeah, out that's on my a, own. that's a trauma right there. <laughs> yes, I mean. absolutely. But, but I had enough positive examples of my life of people who'd done it that it was just always in the back of my head. And then the, another time where I came to realize that I am more than just work was when my, the company that I had worked for went public. And over the course of several months, all the little perks for the employees that made it worth working 70 and 80 hour mm-hmm. weeks were going away. And then they did this massive cleansing of the level above me. And because they had really high salaries, so yeah. let's cut that out. And, and then I got a call this one day, November of 2011. And it was my supervisor telling me that because of all the cuts they'd make, they were going to triple the number of people that I was responsible to keep billable <laughs> and do their career development. I was going to be doubling the number of proposals I was leading. And I still, of course, had to keep my billable hours. And I mean, and I said, am I going to get a title change? No. Am I going to get a salary increase? No. And I remember, I remember hanging up the phone and that, and having this distinct thought of if I'm going to work that hard, then I'm going to do it for myself. And I made a business plan over the next couple of days mm-hmm. and set a date on my calendar because it was leap day coming up. And so February 29th was my, of 2012 was my last day with that consulting firm. And I leapt and, and started my own gig. Oh, wow. Well, good for you. I, yeah, that's, it's almost like you pulled a, a jackpot. Like this is what I pictured, like a slot machine. And it was like three times, two times. And then like, just you lose on the last one. You yeah. Know? There was like nothing. You're like, no. Yes. Yeah, that's always cool when you get asked to do a lot more work and have a lot more responsibility and you don't get a title. Even a title change is, like, free. I mean, at that point especially, right? Because right? there wasn't even as much the idea of, like, getting people's salaries right. So it was just, yeah, that's crazy. It was really frustrating. And and I will say this. I have no regrets for the time that I was there. Sure. I could not be doing what I do now had I not had the education that I got on the job and just the things I learned tremendous things and I'll always be grateful. But there came a time when I realized that what I was getting out of the job was far less than what I was giving. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't okay. That's, yeah. that's when I drew that line. Do you have a background in development yourself? Like as far as software development, are you a technical person? Or- I am not a technical person. Mm-mm. I've always been in learning and development and training, now coaching, mm-hmm. more on the soft skill side, less on the tech tech side. Right. And so then you do see there's a difference. And even I work with a lot of developers and will be fine socially, but they are not social people, generally speaking. Correct. It's Yeah. And it's not even like an unfair thing to say. And so... One thing that, too, I have a similar thing to you, I think, where a little bit more soft skills, but at what point did you identify that you could maybe help those people and realize that? I mean, because I don't think just going and getting a coaching credential necessarily translates to, and I can help people in this specific (laughs) area, right? So was there something that made you realize, like, those were the kind of people you wanted to work with? Yes, I was doing work for a science and research organization when I was at the 
consulting firm. And I noticed that a lot of most of my colleagues were in some kind of a human capital related Mm -hmm. field. And most of them dreaded having to interview the scientists or when we'd be at a meeting and just eliciting information out of them, even standing in the elevator sometimes with, with a bunch of like men with IQs of 150 plus, you know, and, and, and but how awkward it is to stand <laughs> in the elevator with, yeah. And, but I didn't have that issue. I actually, there, I don't know, there's just maybe something about my personality where I can find my philosophy is if you, everybody's a talker, it's just a matter of finding the right topic. Mm-hmm. And I seem to be able to find that point of what's the word when you relate to somebody mm-hmm. and then they start feeling like trust and, oh, somebody's interested in what I have to say. And then you can't shut them up. So I, I think there somewhere in that time with that organization, I realized that I had a gift to be able to talk to people who weren't as social and that I had the patience and, and even just small things. Like I one time was in, oh, I was out running an errand. I was in a record store back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like one of those old vinyl shops. And I was just, I was near where I lived. And I saw one of the scientists from work in this record shop too. And he saw me. And the first thing that happened was his, he like brightened up. And then you could see this, oh, crap, look, come on his face, like, what do I do? And I just kept my smile on and walked up to him and said, oh, what, tell me about this record you're looking at. And I could, I mean, there was a literal sigh of relief from him. And then he engaged and, and I thought, oh, wow, like, it, it wasn't a big deal to me, but such a big deal to him and and now i look for opportunities when i see people uncomfortable like how can i make this easier Mm -hmm. for them yeah no and that can be awkward i mean there's several things with that too right just seeing someone outside of normal context kind of like when you're a kid and you see a teacher in a store and you're like what (laughs) What are they doing you wear pants or you know why are you and who are those kids you know like (laughs) but also i mean I was thinking, because I was thinking about me being in a record store, and sometimes I have an embarrassing record, so I probably would cower away from you, just be like, oh, yes, you know, this is whatever. I don't know. I, I can only think of Rod Stewart right now, who I don't really want to insult. I was going to say, what's embarrassing? <laughs> I don't know. He's the only person I can think of, and I don't really want to insult him. I like my Rod Stewart albums. Yeah, but... <laughs> right? Own it, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's true, though. I mean, and just kind of, I think people will... That leads me actually to think about something, because I've been feeling this, and I think a lot of people are. I mean, a lot of people have been isolated for a year at this point. So if you were already a a bit, you know, anxious about being social as a person or just introverted a lot, then I think it's going to be hard stepping into the world again. Are you hearing from people, like, throughout the pandemic about what are you hearing and kind of what is your take on that? So even for I, yes, you. you, you said it very well that people for whom the social interaction was already challenging. Now they have no idea. Even my kids, I'm noticing my, with my children, I have three stepchildren who are tweens and teens. And it, even the more social of those three are like, oh, I don't want to call so-and-so. I haven't seen her for a year. And, mm-hmm. and like, they're worried about it. I, so And then another thing I'm seeing is 
there are a lot of things that traditionally we've said you should do in person. Like you shouldn't handle conflict over an email, which I do agree with that. Well, you know, I, I shouldn't do it over Zoom. I should give that feedback mm-hmm. in person. And so we keep waiting for that in-person time to come and it's it hasn't come and we don't know when it's going to come. Yeah. And so it's time to acknowledge that this is the circumstance we're in and instead of waiting for things to quote get back to normal, you just just assume this is how it's going to be indefinitely, which I know sounds really discouraging, but I don't mean it that way at all. I mean in the sense of it'll be so relieving to you to just say, okay, this is how it is. And I need to learn how to adjust what I did before mm-hmm. into the circumstances I'm in now. Maybe it's not ideal to give the feedback that I wanted to over Zoom or to address this conflict with this coworker that's been going on for however long, but, but that's what's available to us and we've got to figure it out. Yeah. And I think the number one thing I've been telling my clients is stop waiting for things to get better. Stop waiting for things to improve. Enjoy and maximize the situation you're in right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's generally good advice. I mean, because there, there are so many situations where people say, oh, when this happens, then this. And, you know, of I think one that just comes to mind immediately is like, people will say like when i lose 10 pounds then i will like go this place or i'll go well you've made this condition on something you would enjoy that may or may not be in your control i mean because try to lose 10 pounds it's not always in someone's control in a way and that might not be the best example but it's kind of like too like well as soon as we can get out then i'm gonna call my friend well you know what your friend probably needs a phone call now or this person you have conflict with probably is aware that there's some conflict with you and it's probably a good idea to resolve that now because otherwise you're just going to both sit there building resentment and or whatever, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. in general. Exactly. And one thing that I've that I've done with my husband, so he <laughs> it took him a year to say, you know, I think I miss people. <laughs> I was, he was. I, this was just like a few weeks ago, and he said, "You know where you were like three weeks into the pandemic." He said, "I think I'm starting to feel like that." <laughs> oh, I love him so much. And but and then he was just talking about how disconnected he felt from his coworkers. But then how weird it. It's like, so what am I supposed to do? Like, hey, how you doing, Rob? You know, and and I said, so just. Be make it easy for yourself, and I and I challenged him to take a situation that work day where normally he would just email somebody or IM them and pick up the phone instead. Mm-hmm. And I said, just pick up the phone, and you'll get to hear each other's voices. You'll feel that connection, and the door might open to have some small talk. So he's like, eh, okay, and he was really nervous about it, but. But he had a work-related question, so that was really that was good. That made it easier, and yeah. he ended up talking to this coworker for like fifteen minutes. Found out the coworker's wife had had a baby and just oh, wow. different things that had happened <laughs> yeah. over the pandemic. And and he hung up the phone, and he was so like so excited, like oh, it was so nice to just have some chit chat. And it never would have happened had he just done a quick work email mm-hmm. about whatever it is they needed to figure out. So I, that's a tip I have for anybody listening, that if you're not sure how to reach out, just instead of texting or instead of emailing, just call 
And I think you'd be surprised at how easy the conversation will come just taking that step. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And there, there is something nice about it not being an email's got purpose. I mean, unless like it's very hard to do small talk in an email, you know? Yes, it yes. just is. Like, hey, how, like you just look weird, like a monologue of you conversation, do. or it you know? sounds forced. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, how's such and such going? And you're like, okay, are you using a template? Or <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I I try I hate that too. Like, I'll write an email. Oh, hey, I hope you're well. And then I'll just get into what I need. Like, obviously, I was writing because I needed something. Like, right? I wasn't just writing to. Or I would have to invest time in a back and forth to get to my question, which would be really risky. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that's good advice. Just be straightforward. Hey, I want to ask you a question. How are you doing? Also, that's that's good. So one thing on your website that you have, which I encourage people to look at, because there are some awesome articles. One of them I'll just point out is the one about how to say no, because that's yes. really hard to do. <laughs> but people can read about that. I wanted to ask you about the soft skills assessment and just then your background with like emotional intelligence and kind of just what you want to say about that. Yeah, I love working with emotional intelligence because it's just really a fancy word for people skills. And actually, so Daniel Goleman is known as like the four, you know, the foremost thought leader on this topic. And he's from the studies he's done, he said that your emotional intelligence is a far greater predictor of success than cognitive intelligence. Mm. I mean, that surprises a lot of people, and especially when we come out of a school system where you're rewarded by having good grades, not by your people <laughs> skills. <laughs> I actually got penalized for my people skills. Oh, yeah, like in talking in class? <laughs> talking during yeah. class. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked out for that. Can you, I actually, I want to di- divert our conversation for a second because oh. some of my favorite stories about me, anyway, and in school, and my friends and I talk about or when I got kicked out of class, like for talking one time, the teacher kicked my friend out and then he was at the window laughing and stuff. So I got in trouble and then I got sent out. And then about five minutes later, she realized she just put best friends outside to hang out. (laughs) So, you know, do you have like a, do you have a time when you got in trouble for talking? That was particularly. Oh my gosh. Memorable. I was, I was kind of a brat where (laughs) I remember I would talk to my best friend because I'd be bored and I would, and then I, teachers would try to catch me. So I'd be mm-hmm. in a conversation and then like, okay, A squared plus B squared equals, and I'd be like, C squared and go right back. No, I wouldn't <laughs> miss a B and I'd just keep right on going. <laughs> oh, they hated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, teachers either loved me or hated me. If they were good teachers that challenged me, then I was like star pupil. But if, oh, so many classes, I felt like I was wasting my time and... <laughs> So I made the most of what I had. <laughs> but yeah, so, okay. So then back to the emotional intelligence. Oh, back to emotional intelligence. There. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So what, what happens then is we get out into the workforce and then we assume that our great stellar work is going to get us the attention and appreciation and salary that mm-hmm. we deserve. And we, we find out that's not the case. And there are there are some organizations I've seen who in the last probably 20 years or so have gotten a little creative with different tracks that you can do within your organization. And some are more of a leadership track where some would be more of like an advisor. Or you, you, you don't you can still move up without managing people. Mm-hmm. But it, in my experience, that's few and far between. 
So if you want to continue progressing in your career, you're going to hit a point where you are not going to be able to go up any higher until you start dealing with people more effectively. And I think on the spectrum, it's everything from people, people like who just don't like people. And then, but then you get some people like I've had to learn a ton about people skills. I've learned the hard way how how not to get buy-in from people. Or I remember I had a a really challenging direct report one time, and and then she ended up giving me some feedback about how I was giving her feedback. Oh gosh. <laughs> but I realized I, she had something. I was mm-hmm. able to set my pride aside and see, okay, I'm not being effective in the way I'm guiding her and giving her feedback, which is then not producing the results that either one of us want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just so much to learn about conflict and different working styles and personalities that everyone would benefit from learning from. So, all of that falls into this bucket of emotional intelligence. And there's a tool I love. It's the EQI 2.0. And it has 15 elements of emotional intelligence. And then there's a self-assessment where you can go through and answer some questions. And then it'll help you see, okay, so I'm really great at self-actualization, which is Mm -hmm. me setting goals and achieving them but I'm low in my self-regard. So no matter how much I achieve, it's not translating into me feeling more confident and better about myself. <laughs> I wonder why. And so then as a coach, I, we can have conversations about that and I have exercises that would help somebody use their high self-actualization to help improve their self-regard. I don't know if you read my self-assessment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But well, that's interesting. And I guess, you know, I've never asked a coach this, but I'll ask you, um, so lucky you, but at what point does someone need a leadership coach or a coach versus a therapist? And do you uh, ever see a line there? Because that just made me think about like almost, oh, maybe I go to therapy for some of that stuff I could go to a coach for. Right. I don't know. That's a really good question. And I would have to say I'm a huge fan of therapy. And yes, and have, I've have worked with some wonderful therapists that have helped me mm-hmm. see myself differently and get out of a story that I didn't want to be in and so forth. So with therapy, they're largely focused on going backward and like being in those feelings, being in the situations and processing them and healing from them where coaching acknowledges the backstory doesn't do a deep dive in and then just moves forward so for example i one time worked with a client and we were talking about there was someone on his team that was he'd beat a peer out for promotion Uh and then that peer was so disgruntled that person took every opportunity to just undermine authority and just be a jerk at meetings and so forth and as I was working with my client on why he got so triggered, he ended up saying something. It's just so Freudian, but he said, you know what? This It reminds me of my mom. Yeah. And now if I were a therapist, boy, we would take that and unravel it probably for several sessions, right? As a coach, I said, that's really interesting. What What did this colleague say that reminded you of your mom 
just so I had some data to work with. Mm-hmm. And then we focused on, okay, so now we know there's an underlying trigger there that's going to cut you far more than, you know, Joe down the street or down the next cubicle. But then we just know that that's a big trigger and what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And so then it was about teaching him tools for being able to manage the trigger. And like, so at first we worked on him just pausing when, when he could feel that, you know, some snarky comment and he'd start, you know, he, he'd feel his face start to get red. And I, so just keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk, take a breath. And then once he mastered that, then we got into, you know, okay, so now let's make it a little more challenging. Now let's make it a little more challenging. And we were able to get him to a point where he was able to respond to this person without getting triggered. And and then at the same time, I recommended some therapy mm-hmm. to deal with, clearly there were issues with his relationship with his mother that were still causing challenges in his life. Yeah, that had to be a really interesting realization for him. I had something a similar one recently with a conflict with a coworker. And I realized that, and I won't get into it right now, but I just realized that the way he treated me actually re- did hit something f- that I've been working on. And it was like, Oh, that's why I'm so mad about that. And yeah, but that's ends up being a therapy thing, but how I handle it at work has to be different too. So that's yeah. Yes. So, th- huh. they, so they are both really valuable. It's just, do you want to go back and heal or do you want to acknowledge and move forward? And I think at different times and different situations, those answers are going to be different. Yeah, no, that's really great. Yeah, thanks for walking through that. And I'm glad that it wasn't a gotcha. That there was like a... Because <laughs> I didn't want it to be. I wanted it to... Hey, I told you, I've spent my whole life being able to talk. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> those uh, times in third grade when I got in trouble led up to this moment. Yeah, no, that's great. So for you, when you think about like you could have probably been in some VP role by now or something like that in consulting and maybe I don't know just you know in a certain life but now you're doing the coaching in your own business do you ever think about that and like how you're maybe are you like grateful that you took the path you did or do you have any kind of feeling like you know you're better off I don't know how do you think it's affected your your both your personal and your professional life. Yeah, I love that question. And it's funny because I've been working on having more of a LinkedIn presence and Mm. putting articles and such up up on there. And as I've done that, then I am having, um, I'm getting more like, hey, check out these positions open in your area. And I'll, you know, see head of talent development for this international corporation based here in Indianapolis. And it's always fun to like, look at them. And and sometimes you'll see a salary range be like, dang. And And, you know, having your own business, there's always that cycle of having, getting new clients. And and there, there are a lot of things or this week at spring break and I don't get to take paid vacation. Mm, it's unpaid yeah. vacation. So, you know, there's, there's a, there are a lot of downsides to entrepreneurship for, for sure. But for me, I, I have no regrets at all. And as somebody who I am a, I am a self-proclaimed recovering workaholic, I have a lot of expectations for myself and it's hard enough to meet my own expectations and you start putting other people's on top of that 
I go down a rabbit hole really fast. Mm-hmm. And so I've loved the freedom of being able to su- just completely set my own expectations for what does success look like for me? What are my income targets that I have for the week or the month or the year? And yeah, I'm going to arrange my schedule such that like this is spring break and I'm working today. I didn't work yesterday or the day before and I might work a little bit tomorrow. And I love that, you know, even though I don't have the paid vacation time, I do have so much freedom and I have, so I have five children altogether, three stepchildren, two biological and my biological children are six and three. So Fridays I spend with my three-year-old, we go to our gymnastics class and then sometimes we'll go get a donut together or something. And, And I think, you know, I got that with her for two more years and then she's in, kindergarten and I I just I love that I'm at a point in my life where I've got the freedom and flexibility to just be present in ways that I think if I worked a traditional job and let's be honest I I wouldn't be working nine to five I'd be working 7 a.m to 7 p.m because that's my personality and I would miss out on so much and, and I also want to say, like, for those of you out there doing that and balancing the kids and especially right now during the pandemic and working crazy hours, like, wow, you are amazing. And and I, I do not take for granted that I've had some opportunities to make choices that have given me the freedoms I have now. And for those of you who, who don't have that freedom, you just have my utmost respect and just keep going. You, you're doing amazing stuff. that's a good point and I have several friends who are definitely doing that and then I have like you know my nephew just turned 16 and he just got his driver's license and so my sister just today we were chatting and it's just hard I mean that's you know this the next thing will be college and then her youngest is 11 and so it's just like seeing this transition out of you know first she transitioned out of having a kid at home or three kids at home or whatever and she was working full time then and now she does her own thing so she doesn't work those same hours but yeah just having that time to spend and to recognize that and I'm sure like even with you you work with so many people you probably can see the effect of of not having that right on yes absolutely and when I when I have clients who are stuck I think there are a lot of people right now not necessarily happy in their jobs but Mm -hmm. it's not a great economy to go find a different one and I mean, it's all kinds of circumstances that have been challenging with the pandemic. And I would say what I've found helpful for my clients is really to set your own success measures, set your own goals and worry a lot less about what the company is expecting from you. And, you know, what does success look like for you? And what do you want to get out of this job? Maybe this isn't the best job for you right now. Or I'm sorry, in the long term, but this is the job you have. So what things can you be taking advantage of? Like some offer free tuition or some kind of a tuition reimbursement. Some of them um, offer the opportunity to detail with another team or whatever, like look and see what can your company be doing for you that will help you then prepare for your next step. Mm -hmm. Just flip it around. This isn't about meeting someone else's expectations. Make it about you because your company makes it about them. Yeah, they do. Do you have a particular time you can think of that 
like you worked with a client that you were just super pleased and excited about an outcome that you almost didn't expect like that really made you go ah this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing oh oh the gosh there's so many different ones and i want to be careful too because some yeah. of the stories i'm like ah you know you never know who knows who I, how about i mean i'm not going to put the pressure to like what's no, the ultimate just... client experience but one that i was really i had a lot of fun with and was impressed by was a couple years ago i was working with someone in a tech company and it was a woman who had again been promoted amongst her peers i have to say that's one of the most common challenges that i get with people who want to work with me because it just there brings a whole emotional mm-hmm. side to this situation and so she had gotten promoted and then there were two colleagues who had applied one who didn't get it was totally cool with it the other one was not cool at all with it i was just being a real jerk and so she came to me saying, you know, I, I need to figure out how to deal with this guy. And it was a very external perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, 15 minutes in the conversation, I stopped her and said, the issue isn't about him. This issue is about you. And she was really surprised to hear me say that. And I said, if, if you had more confidence, you wouldn't care what this other guy mm was saying about you or trying to do to undermine you and I'm pretty direct with people and and she she was taken aback but then she's like yeah I think you're absolutely right so we spent a few sessions together working on building up her confidence authentically not like oh you're so cool like like, I mean (laughs) I'm very data focused I'm very logical person and and so we we gathered data we did things to help her see factually that she deserved this job and that she was going to be absolutely awesome at it and that I have never seen this is the fastest transformation I'd ever seen with working with a client and we worked together for I think two months was all and after two months it, it stopped being about this other guy and then she was telling me stories about how you know, he tried doing such and such and she just put him back in his place or let yeah. him know that behavior is not acceptable or you keep this up, then I'm going to give so-and-so that project, which he, that was his pet project, you know, and she, she let him know who was boss. And, and by the time we stopped working together, he had backed down and, and it wasn't like they skipped off into the sunset together, but they had an amicable Mm-hmm. working relationship and she was just she was ready for change she was she took the feedback that I gave her did the exercises I challenged her to do and then she internalized it and made that happen it was just really great to be a part of that journey oh that's awesome yeah and just to yeah that's tough I mean that happened like at my at my company my boss got the job we all applied for like everyone at our level but she's amazing so I, I was glad like good <laughs> Good, because I don't think I'd be as great, and I want to do, you know, other stuff like comedy and podcasting and stuff, right? But, yeah, that's really, really cool. So I think the last thing is, like, do you think, too, that your experience working like you did before has impacted, like, your ability to help people now? Just Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, with coaching, the whole premise of coaching is that you believe that the person you're working with has the answers inside of them, 
and our job is you know to ask the questions and reflect back what we're hearing so the person can then figure out what they want to do and well, so while there's there's a degree of, okay, so no, I've never been a nuclear scientist, and yet I can be an effective coach for a, a nuclear scientist. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's this other element, though, I think with leading, that because I've had my own experiences there, and especially things that I've done wrong, <laughs> I, I <laughs> tell so many stories of, yeah. you know, Jen as, as the bo- bad boss, I I think there's a perspective that I bring from that. And it definitely shapes the questions that I ask because I can tap into some of the underlying issues that I probably wouldn't have recognized as easily had I not been in those shoes before. Yeah, that's really cool. I can see, first of all, it'd be easy just to tell you like all the things I'm doing wrong for sure. (laughs) (laughs) If this was called something else. So do you have any advice or mantra that you generally just like to share with others? Like I said, I think it, it comes back to the, the tip I said a, a few minutes ago where the more you can worry less about what other people think and have your own metrics for success, the happier you'll be and the more mm-hmm. effective leader you'll be as well. Okay, It's got to be like just taking time to find out what is your vision? What is your legacy? What do you want people saying about you at your retirement party? I love that question. Um, because then you think about that and then backtrack to now and what are you doing and saying and learning now that's going to lead to people saying that about you when you retire huh yeah that's a good way of looking at it. i think that would also make you maybe pause and say oh i don't want to react this way because that's what you know that's what you're leaving people with well so i have a set of questions called the fun five and they're just questions i ask each guest the first one is based on my wardrobe most of the time, but what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Wow. The oldest t-shirt I have is from a family reunion that oh. we had, oh my gosh, a million years ago, probably 20 years ago. And my brother made a logo that had like the Superman symbol, but he made it into a G. My maiden name is Gillens. And, and then on the, was that the same shirt? On the back, we had all of our pictures, uh, Brady Bunch style. Oh, <laughs> and it was that's really cool. fun. Which is yeah. now Zoom style, basically. Right? right? Yes. But yeah. That's true. Actually, the Brady Bunch could do a total reunion on Zoom, and it would just look like the beginning of the show. It you know? would. You should send that idea in. Yeah. Yeah. Norman Lear. Be like, hey, did he do that show? I don't even think he did that show. But yeah, someone did. Interesting. All right. So I'll get on that right after this. So... A lot of people have said that it's like Groundhog's Day now. Every day is the same, right? Because we're in this pandemic still. If every day was really Groundhog's Day, what song would you set your alarm to play every morning when you woke up? Oh my gosh. So you are going to laugh so hard at this, but I love the song from the first Trolls movie. (laughs) (laughs) So Poppy, the, the main character, she sings this song, Get Back Up Again. And it is just, it makes me laugh and smile. And I would say more mornings than not, when I'm up and getting ready for the day and getting kids ready for school, that's what I have Alexa play for me. I was like, play, get back up again. And my kids used to love it. And now they're like, mom, not again. 
I was just, I was just making sure mine didn't go off. But I remember I have headphones on because my Alexa <laughs> is very has very good hearing. I don't know. Some of them I think are better than others, like people almost. You know? Oh, I, I know. I kind of want like the like the version of Alexa that hears like my dad, so it doesn't hear you at first because sometimes right. I don't want it doing things. You know? Oh, and I have a daughter named Eliza, and I can't tell oh, you how many times I call Eliza, and Alexa is like. Yes. You're like, <laughs> like not no. you. Yeah. But like, yes, get back up again. Anna Kendrick. It's on Amazon Music. Okay, cool. All right, good. Coffee or tea or neither? Neither. Uh, <gasps> I think you're my first one to say that. I do have a friend who's like a fact checker, so I'll find out, but neither. So what do you drink? I'm a water. I, I drink water. I love water. I drink water all the time. That's really good. You're how It's gosh. like my one healthy habit. <laughs> probably gonna be my most well hydrated guest this is great so can you think of something that just makes you like laugh so hard you cry or just can't stop or the last time that happened oh gosh you know i can't think of a specific instance but my my husband just cracks me up and i think like our senses of humor are very complimentary and and there's nothing better than the two of us like talking and someone makes a joke and then we're like dying we're laughing so hard it's awesome all right, and who inspires you right now? Wow, that's a really great question. You know, I there's a gentleman that I worked with my first job out of college, and he was the there's that kind of person who I mean, I think he was probably old enough to be my father, but he always treated me like I was his peer, mm-hmm. and that I when I talked to him, I felt like I was the most important person in the world. And I know he just had that ability to make everybody feel like that. And I, I think about him often when I, like, when I think, what do I have people saying about me at my retirement party? I was like, I wish people would say that when they talked with me, that I made them feel like they were the most important person. And when I keep that, keep him and that thought in my mind, I know it totally impacts the way that I treat other people, especially I am, I know it, I like people, but I'm also, I'm a very task focused person and mm-hmm. it's easy for me to just be in and out, get it done. But that's, and then I think about this man and I think that's not, that's not how I want to be remembered. I don't want to be the, oh yeah, she, she was organized. You know, she got the stuff crossed <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, I, I want to be someone that people feel like I value them. I value, and I want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. That's, I think that's so awesome, especially since now it's hard because just all the notifications we get from like email, phone, everything. Right. So that's really cool. So if someone loved this chat and they want to, they're like, I want to see what Jennifer Chapman's about and learn more about her advice, like on her library, her blogs and stuff where where do they find you my website is ambitionleadership.com and right on the home page you'll see i have a special offer for podcast audiences to do an emotional intelligence assessment with me for a discounted rate or if you just want to schedule 15 minutes to talk to me about whatever i would do that for you know complimentary i just love hearing people's stories and if there's questions someone has or if they want to see if working with me would be a good fit don't hesitate to reach out so all that is available right on my homepage, ambitionleadership.com awesome 
Jennifer, thank you so much for this chat. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot and just appreciate getting to know you. That was a lot of fun. And I always, for me, a success metric is if I get to laugh a lot. So (laughs) I got to laugh a lot and it was really great talking with you. Thank you. Before I roll the credits, this episode has some bonus content. I've mentioned before, I'm trying to do a little bit on Clubhouse to do some recording there and just to see if there's audience participation. So we did have one question from a guest. So here you go. Just a bonus question for all the listeners of the podcast. It's pretty cool. We had the opportunity to do this. I don't know how long I'll stick with trying this on the platform. I don't have a lot of followers there, to be honest, but this is pretty fun. The sound quality is not super from a tech perspective, but I hope you enjoy this bonus question from a listener just like you. Hey, so we have a question from the Clubhouse audience, so go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Candice, and I am currently in Bristol, England. Um, So one of the things I wanted to ask about, um, because one of the topics that was touched on the interview um, was the ability to say no at work. Personally, coming from a job that was very intensive, I, I feel like I never said no. So what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their voice to, to say no and to um, maybe raise that with their employer? Sometimes it's, it's not really, I don't know if it's knowing you don't want to upset people or you don't know where you're allowed to tread. Um, so it can be kind of a hard, just a hard thing to do. So what, what would you say to someone who is just trying to find their voice and find a starting point to say no? Yes, great question, Candice. And I can absolutely relate. I am a people pleaser, and it's really hard to say no for me. There's a book that was life-changing for me, and I'll tell you what it was, but I don't recommend recommend it. (laughs) So it's one of those books where the concepts are great, but it's just a very wordy book. But it's called Language in the pursuit of happiness the author is Chalmers Brothers and what I loved in that book was he taught me that you don't just have two options it's not just yes or no but you have two additional options and one of those is commit to commit and the other one is is counter offer so commit to commit is awesome because it buys you time to think think about it rather than being put on a spot um, and you know I had a boss who was always like walking down the hall one way while I was walking the other way he was like tossing directions to me <laughs> like wait what um, and so if you commit to commit you could just say something like hey you know thank you for that information can I can I, I or don't even just say can I I just say I, I'll get back to you at 4 p.m. today and you know, with a with a plan or with an idea or whatever that is. So um, you're committing to get back to them with an answer at a later time, giving you a minute to like breathe and figure out is this something you can take on or not. And also, when you do that, you've got to make sure you do follow up because then it'll people will be like, oh, that's what you say when you are just gonna leave me hanging. Then the counter offer is when you really don't have the capacity to say yes. So you've got to change 
some element of the situation. So somebody's like, hey, can you get that report to me by today at 5 p.m.? And I say, you know what, I am booked in meetings solid until 5. I can get it to you by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And and I, I, I wouldn't even, like I said, don't word it like a question, say it like a statement. I can get it to you by okay. 10 and put the onus on them that if 10 is not gonna work, that they are gonna have to speak up and come up with another, you know, help come up with another solution. Or um, like what I did with the proposal, or the proposal that I said no to. Yes, that, that was <laughs> what I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah, then um, I know I'm not available, but I know someone who would do a great job and I'm happy to mentor that person behind the scenes. So just, but what I like, doing is using that commit to commit and counter offer together because mm-hmm. if I say okay hang on I'll get back to you and then I have some time to really be crafty about how I want to respond and make it something that I am not going to hate later right cool okay <laughs> that's really helpful good. good yeah good question cool thanks Candace and I think also because um you know, I don't. I no longer do the stressful job anymore. But in case someone's listening, that finding themselves in a situation, kind of where they, yeah, where they start. So I think that was really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, and also um, I do have uh, I think two different articles in my library uh, that are about saying no or different responses. Oh, okay, great. That would be a great resource for you to check out as well. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Candace, for asking that question, and thanks, Jennifer, too, for um, for that response. And I think I definitely recommend reading articles that, for anyone, um, I read a couple, actually, and they're really helpful and I think just well-written. Thanks again for listening this week. You can find out more about the guest in the show notes and at RabiaSud.com. Joe Mafia created the music just for this podcast. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Metke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let me know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work. Follow at More Than Work Pod or send a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Or visit our website, morethanworkpod.com. Give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review if you like. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.